When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. There's no better time to go for a huge score than during the big game. And BetMGM is giving you a good chance to win big on your first bet. Simply download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on Pro Football's grand finale. If either team scores a touchdown, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. The opportunities for celebration don't stop after a champion is crowned. Try BetMGM's innovative parlay selection features, boosted odds specials, daily promotions, and more on all your favorite sports. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you sign up. Then place a money line bet on the big game and you'll win $200 in free bets if either team scores a TD during the showdown. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, I want to extend you a huge welcome to the first ever BIH show, a brand new podcast from British Ice Hockey. I'm Craig Anderson, Senior Reporter for British Ice Hockey, and we're looking to offer something a little bit different in the podcast world as we get to know the people behind the players and the coaches. We're living in very unusual times, so we hope this gives you something else to enjoy, and it's a bumper edition to start off with, with a star-studded lineup for this first show. Coming up in this first edition, we talk to Five Flyers' Barry McKenzie, who reveals his dream first line, revealing which of his former teammates or opponents he would line up with. Belfast Giants' Paul Swindlehurst takes us into the locker room and reveals all about his teammates. Plus, we look back at a classic game with the players who were involved, and in this episode, it's the small matter of a World Championship decider when Great Britain took on France in Cossetse last year. And who else to talk about it with? The man who scored the overtime winner, of course, Guilford Flames and GB forward Ben Davis. But coming up first, it's our big interview as we talk to Cardiff Devils defenceman Mark Richardson. This is the B. Beat- 
B-I-H show. The Big Interview. Ice hockey is very much on hiatus right now. The world is a different place as we try to stay safe in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Six weeks ago, the Elite League announced an end to the 2019-20 season suddenly and went on to announce there would be no champion despite Cardiff Devils being top of the table. It's created a lot of debate and we'll never know just how that title race could have ended up. However, we caught up with Devils D-man Mark Richardson a few days ago and asked him about his reflections on the season and how it all ended. Um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, obviously kind of a shock uh, the way it finished. Um, you know, nobody wanted this to finish like that, and it was obviously uh, crazy circumstances. But um, I think when we when we look back on on the whole season, um, as every year there were highs and lows, but I think we'd you know been pretty good, and we put ourselves in a in a very nice spot going into the kind of final run in for the season. So obviously that was disappointing, but. I think when we look back, um, you know, making another Challenge Cup final, um, etc., I, th- I think it was very successful. And of course, you're in the unusual position where you finish top of the league, but you're not being awarded champion status. How, how do you feel about that? Obviously, that's disappointing. I mean, I think in some ways I agree, you know, the season wasn't finished. A, a lot could happen in, you know, the remaining eight games. Um, but, you know, getting ourselves into that position with, with games in hand on, on everybody um, was, you know, tough to take. But um, well, what can we really do about it? I mean, apart from hopefully let it fuel us in the future to uh, try and win the league a little earlier or something like that. I don't know. There was obviously nothing we could do about it. And uh, the decisions were made. Um, so whether we like them or not, we have to live with that. And um, again, we we look on it. We you know we worked very hard to get ourselves into that position, and um, you know we could be really proud of uh, of that when we look back. And that's the thing you you regained that top spot a week before the, the shutdown with that victory over Sheffield on the Friday. That was before the the Challenge Cup final as well, and it really was shaping up to be quite a, a tidal tussle between the two of you. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think when you look at the table, I think it was you know wasn't just uh, us in Sheffield obviously Coventry were, were playing really well and Nottingham Belfast were were still there with a shot too I mean um, I mean I don't know the numbers I think you know it, it would have taken for, for us to lose quite a few of the remaining games and other teams to win all of theirs you know but but that's hockey and there was always a chance so it would have been uh, I think it would have been an exciting end to the season and it turns out your very last game was that, that Challenge Cup final a game you ultimately lost in the end what, what's your thoughts on that game uh, you know with the, the fullness of time you've had a chance to look back on it a little bit what, what do you feel about it now? Um, I mean from our point of view I think you know we didn't start well enough I think we should have been ready for them to come out as they did after you know the game on the Friday night that you talk about, and um, yeah, it was uh, wasn't a great start. I feel from, from after after the first period, you know, we really stepped it up, and especially the second half of the game. Um, we played very well, and um, you know, on a different on another night, um, we could have got the result. But as you say, it was obviously ended up being our our last game of the season, which um, for for this team, uh, you know, it, it was. It was disappointing to to finish on a loss. I mean, especially after the last couple of seasons with the playoff final. You know, you finish with the win and you know uh, go off into the off season with uh, with that in your mind. But um, as I say, um, going back, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it now. And uh, you know, to to be in a Challenge Cup final again was a was a great achievement. Um, again, it's just something you have to look to next year, and hopefully, we can go one better. 
Speaking of next year, well, you you're not the champions in, in the official sense. You have been awarded the, the the spot for the elite league in the Champions Hockey League um, next season. Now that usually starts kind of late August, um, early September, and we're looking at a situation where we're seeing a lot of sporting events at that time of year elsewhere being called off as well. Do you have hope that the Champions Hockey League might go ahead, or is that something that's maybe maybe a little bit further down the road in terms of looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, obviously it'll be it'll be nice if um, if if it was to go ahead, um, if I had to guess at the moment, I'd say maybe it will, but not at the usual dates. It would be, uh, you know, a little later on. But again, I mean, it, so much depends. I mean, every country seems in, in different different kind of uh, stages, uh, etc. So, I mean, it's really too early to tell, I think, right now. But if I had to guess, I, I think it would be a little later. But hopefully, um, hopefully things, you know, for, for everyone's sake... Um, not just ice hockey, every, everything starts to imp- improve uh, as soon as possible and then we'll be able to see more clearly you know, what's going to happen. And of course it's at this time of year where most players' seasons have ended but not you, there was you and a few others obviously would have been looking forward to the, the World Championships in Switzerland this year, you would have been getting ready for warm-up games and, and things like that. How weird is it that you're not doing that, that you're, you're at home with the family as nice as that is but you're not getting ready for, for top-class international games as you would have been? Yeah, it's been it's been very weird. I think um, you know last weekend I said I thought oh we would have been we've been playing against Poland tonight in in Cardiff, which uh, would have been pretty cool. Um, but uh, and then obviously thinking ahead in just over a week's time, maybe playing against Canada in in Nottingham, which again would have been in front of a sellout crowd, would have been an amazing experience. But um, yeah, it's it's very weird. It's very weird to be to be finished uh, you know so early. Um, and obviously the World Championships was something that everyone was looking forward to. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to, to be chosen to go to the World Championships, you know, what an experience it was last year. And um, I think no one in, in the hockey world expected us to, to be there for a second time. So to be heading to Switzerland was obviously, again, just something everyone was really looking forward to. And um, it's a shame, but as, as we say, um, you know, there's a, obviously a lot uh bigger things going on right now than hockey so uh, there's nothing we can do about it and um, again hopefully you know things uh, ease up uh, more so for for these uh, you know amazing people on the front line for the NHS etc doing an amazing job you know these these tough times um, hopefully don't last too long so as I say it's been six weeks since the season shut down what have you been doing to, to occupy yourself during during this period of lockdown uh, oh, uh, trying trying to uh, exercise here and there, I guess you know, just uh, mainly for the the mental state. Um, my my daughter's been off school, obviously, so um, trying to help her with some of her homeschooling. But um, she's thirteen, so she already knows more than I do. So <laughs> that's uh, I leave her to that. But um, no, in general, just. Just trying to uh, to keep busy, you know, stuff around the house, etc. That maybe I didn't have the time to to get done, and um, trying to trying to keep busy that way, you know, take the dog out here and there, and um, yeah, just in some ways trying to enjoy the, the the time with the family in terms of you know, not very often we all sit down for dinner every night of the week together and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's tough, and um, as we say, hopefully doesn't go on for too long but um you know at the same time there's, there's nothing we can do but uh try and keep ourselves as busy as possible have you been keeping in touch with uh, your teammates through whatsapp or whatever messaging groups there are have you kept in touch and, and found out who they're all doing 
Yeah, obviously. I mean, that's again. I think that's another part of it. Trying to uh, to speak to people as much as you can, and um, you know, see how they're doing, and see what's going on, and obviously uh, make sure everyone's you know, no one's feeling lonely or down or anything. You know, it's it's weird times, but um, trying to talk to people, keep people positive, is obviously a big help. And when will you start looking forward to next season? When do you start getting excited for a new season? Or can you do that right now when there's so much uncertainty? Um, yeah, it's it's a very, very odd situation. Obviously, the uncertainty is just, you know, at the moment, when will the season start? I mean, I think it'd be a lot different if we if we knew exactly, if someone could tell you exactly when it would start. But um, at the moment, I don't think anybody knows. So, um, but no, I mean, already, like, I, you know, can't wait to get get playing hockey again and um you know hopefully by by that time things are things are a lot better in the world than they are now but uh you know just just kind of thinking about getting back on the ice is uh it's going to be a good time you're listening to the bih show bih that was mark richardson there joining us on the bih show now there may not be any action right now but there's plenty going on off the ice so let's catch up with everything that's been happening in the last week or so from BritishIceHockey.co.uk This is BIH News. So let's bring you up to date with some signing news that's been happening over the course of the last few days up and down the leagues. And we start with the NIHL National League where vastly experienced defenceman Lee Jamieson is back with Milton Keynes Lightning looking to build on his 500 plus appearances for the club he achieved by the end of last season. Elsewhere in that league, Luke Johnson has moved to Peterborough Phantoms after leaving Swindon Wildcats, while Basingstoke Bison have announced that forwards Adam Harding, George Norcliffe, Ryan Sutton, as well as defencemen Elliot Dewey and Jay King will return to fulfil the second year of their two-year deals. In the SNL, Scott Geddes, the D-man and netminder Craig Douglas are back with Murrayfield Racers for another season. In NIHL 1 South, Courtney Grant and Robert Veers have confirmed they won't be returning to Chelmsford Chieftains, but D-man Julian Smith will be returning. In NIHL 1 South, Dan Lackey is back with the Solent Devils, while Stevie Dunnage and Donald Campbell, both D-men, also re-signed with Raiders IHC 2. Also, Robert Quiney of Streatham is taking time out but not retiring, however Ben Painter is heading back to Streatham for another season. NIHL 2 North, Sheffield Senators have rebranded, they're calling themselves the Sheffield Skimmeters, bringing back a familiar name in the sport and have confirmed the re-signing of head coach Stevie Weeks and defenceman Dougie Jordan who will also be Weeks' assistant coach. In the Elite League, it's been quite quiet, with no new signings or returnees confirmed, but rumour is rife that Cardiff Devils netminder Ben Bounds could be on his way to Austria to sign for Graz 99ers. At the time of recording, no announcement had been made one way or the other, but check out our piece on it on britishicehockey.co.uk. Going even more further afield, the Champions Hockey League have announced they will delay the competition by a month, changing the original start date from the 3rd of September to the 6th of October, which means the format of the tournament will change as well. There will be no group stage this year, so it will be a straight knockout competition, starting with a round of 32, and we'll have two-leg home-and-away ties all the way through to February's final. This affects Cardiff Devils, of course, who are the UK participants of this season's competition. This is the BIH Show. My dream first line. BIH. 
match. It's time for my dream first line. This week we've asked five flyers forward Barry McKenzie to tell us who his ultimate first line is using players he's played with and against. Now Barry, of course, is the only man to play for all four Scottish teams in the Elite League as well as more clubs than anyone else in the league. So he's ideal to pick the players that he has. Barry, thanks for coming on the BIH show. How has the lockdown been for you so far? Yeah, it's been it's been all right. Everybody's pretty much in the same boat here. Uh, Gemma's she's still working from from home, so that gives me a little bit of peace and quiet from nine till three. Um, but no, I've just didn't been doing a bit of gardening and like we joked off here, been doing a lot of walking and stuff. Um, and that's what I said. I'm never going for a walk again once this is lifted. I'm, I'm just over walking. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's okay. There's not there's not really much you can do. Is I just you got to try and keep yourself occupied. I was, you know, you make jokes that painter and decorators are going to be so busy when this finishes because there's going to be so many people try to paint paint their house or paper their house and then realise I've made an absolute arse of it. <laughs> well, so. I was taking advantage of the weather as well as I speak to you. I'm sitting oh. in the back garden, so you have to take these things when they come, I suppose. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Everybody's <laughs> rocking out with suntans and all. Now, of course, we would have been at the end of the season by now anyway, um, as we speak, but of course, it's been a few weeks since the league shut down prematurely. Yep. Being at five, bottom of the table, how gutted were you that you never got the chance to, to finish the season off in the end? Yeah, it wasn't nice. Um, we were going, we were just getting ready to go down to Coventry. Um, me and Jordan were at Strathclyde Park just waiting for the bus and we got the phone call to say the game's cancelled. So, I mean, it wasn't nice. Um, I mean, ideally, like for me, I would like to play again next year and I'd like to play in five. That's kind of my, my goal and my aim. Um, but there will be a lot of players who might not play again next year, like retire or move on. And I think more for them, you know, it's disappointing. It's not the way you want to finish possibly playing your career, do you know what I mean? Um, but I think for the whole league in general, for the supporters, it was just a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare with the playoff weekend and obviously now what the league are trying to do um, with the, the thing at the start of the year and stuff like that. So, like I said, it was it was disappointing. It was, it was gutting because at the end of the day, you don't know. Um, I know everybody... Every kind of wrote us off, and you know what? Like people, we were kind of entitled to their opinion, but you know, until we were mathematically out of it, you know, we were going to keep going till the end. Absolutely. So let's get down to business then. As I said in the intro, it's your dream first line: the players that you've played with or against. That's a simple premise: one netminder, two defensemen, three forwards. Not hold you to to two wingers specifically in a centre, but three forwards will do just fine. And it's as I say, using only players you've played with or against. And we were talking and sharing messages. You you were agonising over this a little bit, weren't you? Oh, I could I could have had a oh it was it was hard. I tried to kind of go back to the start and like through like the rosters I played with and like people popping out. I've I've actually only done it for people that I played with. I've not done it against because against would be too hard. <laughs> um, and, and I had to write it down because I could literally had a full team. I, I genuinely have in reserves. You name it, like it was absolutely bonkers. I suppose that's what happens when you play for so long in so many teams, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, we'll give honourable <laughs> mentions to the guys you have missed out, but we'll start with your, your netminder. Who would be your netminder okay. in your, your dream team? It would have to be Dan Backler. Um, for the reason is when we when, we, when I signed in Dundee, um, Dan Backler wasn't. I think he was playing men's league hockey, and he came to Dundee. And to be honest with you, we we, we had a, we had a good team that year. Like, don't get me wrong, um, but we won the conference. I think we finished third in the league. Um, and he was a massive part of it. Um, that's, and I think he got all the accolades and the, the league awards as well. Um, you know when a goalie's good when you when it's hard to score him in training. Um, he worked hard off the ice. He was he was probably the fittest in our team. He was just a like he was just a really professional guy. And I think he had a point to prove. And I think Dundee took a chance on him. Um, and 
his career flourished after that, obviously winning the Champions League and stuff with Folonda, and he obviously had a good career in Sweden, and he's had a good career in Europe. Um, so I think I think I'd definitely say that would be my starting goalie. He was a special guy from from what I remember. What was he like in the locker room as just a, as an individual? He was he was a good guy. He was a, you have to think that was a few years ago. He was a bit of a jokester, you know. Um, obviously people say goalies are a different breed but he was just a nice, he was a genuine guy you know, he was very professional and, and he had a goal set out I think for his career given the chance to come to Dundee and I think I think he was just very professional about how he went, about, like his mannerisms um, but he was a nice guy he went to him to a bad turn um, yeah So Dan Bacala is your netminder so we'll, st- we'll move on to defenseman now and give us the name of your first defenseman in this team that you've picked I first. am going I think I'm going to go back to the start um, when I was in Milton Keynes and we had a defenceman, our import defenceman was Dwayne Newman. Um, he was our captain at the time. He was an older, he was older at the, at the time, well older, but um, again, true professional, uh, good player, very, very honest, um, tough as nails. Um, he would do anything for you. Um, he was the nicest guy himself and his, his wife. Uh, were a fantastic couple and it was just one of the most genuine guys I've ever played with and you know guys like that you you get a sense of what these people are like just by how popular they are don't you well exactly like nobody has a bad word to say about them you know everybody's played with them or played against them or even just know them um, they, nobody has a bad word to say about them um, it helped me a lot when I was younger and growing up um, kind of pointed me sometimes in the right direction and gave me a clip around the lug when I was doing stuff wrong um, but um, no absolutely and just a tremendous guy tremendous leader and a good player ok so who's your second defenceman then in this team of yours I am going to go for Neil Martin um, I, when when I was at Milton Keynes I was on a two with Coventry and he was at Coventry at the time and just training with him and watching him play um, he was he was absolutely phenomenal um, I remember we played in the Challenge Cup final. It was in Cardiff, and he, he literally—I think I, I don't know what he'd done. It was some of his knee ligaments or something. He literally played on one leg, and he was still—he was still brilliant. He was so fast, so skillful. Like he was just—he was a really, really good player, and very popular man as well. Another one that a lot of fans uh, think warmly of um, when he's yeah, absolutely. So, what other defensemen, out of curiosity, did you did you have sort of penciled in for for these these spots? Well. Obviously in Cardiff, I played with Tyson Marsh. He was a good player. He was a, a really strong, gritty, tough defenseman. Um, you look when I was in Dundee, Kevin Quick. He was he was good. Like we had a we had once we were a bad team in Dundee that year, but we'd struggled. But um, he, you could see he was different class. You know, and then he moved to Nottingham a few years later. Um, Arce, I think Scott Arson as well. I think. Um, especially when, more when he first came over I remember he hit me once and it's the hardest I think I've ever been hit in my life <laughs> you know and the guy scores 40, sneakily 40-50 points a year um, and I, th- I think he he's one that I think in, in my opinion is very underestimated OK let's move on to the forward line now as I say I'm not holding you to, to specific wingers and such like that just three forwards so we'll start with your first one who have you got first up? I can have to go with this guy because um my year, I had it obviously my last year in Edinburgh, I played with himself and Richard Hartman. Um, and he helped me, even though I couldn't really... Commu- the communication factor wasn't wasn't um, really there, shall we say. But you knew if you gave him the puck, he was going to score. Um, and that is Rennie Yarlin. Yeah, I remember Rennie. He was some player. Yeah, yeah very, very consistent. Is he a kind of player that if he'd played for, say, a bigger budget team, he could have really 
really hit the high the high points? See, I don't know. I don't know because I think the style that we played suited him. I think he like he wasn't the most kind of physical guy. Um, and it's quite funny. He skated a bit like a pantomime horse as well. He wasn't the strongest <laughs> of skaters, but I'll tell you what: see if you gave him the puck in, in the right area, he was scoring. Like he was score for fun. Um, so I mean, yeah, it would, it would probably be interesting to see how he'd do. Um, I think just him with with Richard and the Slovakian Czech guys that we had in Edinburgh that t- at that period kind of suited them. Absolutely, he was a real top player. Certainly from from what I remember of him. Okay, so who's yeah. forward number two then in this team of yours? Um, this was a toss-up as well, but I played against him the year before. I played with him, and I always thought he was he was just a kind of standout, like a sneaky kind of standout player. And that's Stuart McRae mm-hmm. um, from Cardiff. Um, he, I mean, he was. I played with him for a bit as well, and he was just so easy to play with. Um, again, he was a captain at the time. Just such a professional guy, genuine nice guy. He would do anything for you, and I think a fantastic player. When I think back to that Cardiff team you you were with Barry and guys like, like yeah. Stuart stood out, I think Scott Matska might still still have been there at the time. No, he well. wasn't there at no, the time. It was, it was actually Mark Faulkner was there. Mark Faulkner, that's who it is. Yeah. And uh, Bizonet was there for a little while. But when you think back to that team and obviously you had the likes of Sheffield and Nottingham and Belfast were scooping up the the, the accolades and the, the honours. Yeah. That Cardiff team were good on paper, but just couldn't quite make it up to that next level. Would you agree with that? Looking back, yeah, I would think so. I think there was a, in the background as well with the it was the year was it the year the year that Reagan Paul Reagan obviously owned the team. Yeah, and it was when all the kind of guys I think a few guys left that year. Then the the year after as well. That's when everybody left. Um, and I think I think for Cardiff as an organisation, I think obviously the fans. You'd go back and the fans would say it was a kind of tough time and this, that, the next thing. But with what they've got now, I think it was probably the best thing that happened to them, if that makes sense. Like, I know it sounds really silly, but that kind of the disarray they were in, and obviously Todd, Kelman, and the other guys taking over, I think they've just went to the next level. And I think they've kind of, they're like at the top of the peak, and everybody's trying to catch them now. Um, so I would say, yeah, definitely. Okay, so this should be interesting then. Who's your last pick to complete this your, is, your this dream line? Is, I mean, this is, this is hard. This is hard. This is <laughs> such a hard one. We like to set um, a challenge. I know. I would. This has got to sound. This has got to be a weird one as well. But my first year in Edinburgh, um, there's a guy, Chris St. Jacks, and I think he only played about 25 games. I think he scored about 50 points. And when he when he came over, he was a brilliant player. He was phenomenal. He was so fast. He was like a little wrecking ball. Um, he, I would probably put him him up there. Um, he obviously left and went to Germany um, halfway through the season. But it'd been interesting to see if he stayed the whole season and if Edinburgh kept their team together that year. What would have actually done? Because if you recall, we were, I think we were like third in the league. Like we had a really good roster, and that's when obviously we hit financial difficulty, and then everybody just left, and we ended up in Oldie. I was going to ask you about that. That was that season 2010-2011. That was the year we had the bad winter and there was games called off. And as you mentioned there, Edinburgh found it a bit tough. But yeah. tell us the kind of player Chris was, you know, for, for the fans that, that maybe don't re- you know, don't recall him. or, or I mean, or, obviously it was a while ago, but he, I can just remember, like, you give, they'd give, he played in the left wing, I believe, and you just give him the puck and he'd just take off. And he would just, like, he would just be, like, he'd be so fast and he was obviously really strong in his skates. And I, like, people just couldn't stop him. 
they just they honestly they just couldn't stop him. And I'm trying to think of a player you could maybe like we'd be close to the now, but I'm, I can't really think. But I would definitely have to say like, he he was he was different class. He was good. So give us some honourable mentions. And who did you who did you leave out? Oh, who did you agonise over? And you're going to get a hard time over this, I'm sure. I will. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had Ed Courtney when I was in Belfast. Adam Calder, Mize, uh, Tony Hand, Sachetti, um, and Dundee. Uh, Goate Matt Keith Scott Pitt you know there's guys like that you just MD would have them you know if, you, if you, they would be in first lines of most teams do you know what I mean um, it's just, it was just so hard like even when you asked me to, I was like whoa, 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 right but you know and like you say we're joking they're obviously going to be people why am I not on your line but I mean it was tough it was tough sure it was well Barry thank you so much we'll, we'll just go through that again your netminder Dan Bacala defenseman Dwayne Newman and Neil Martin and your forward line was Rennie Yarolin Stuart McRae and Chris St. Jack Barry thank you so much I dare say that was a, a hard one for you but you've come through well done I know, I know, thank you, thank you. You've given me some more grey hairs thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the BIH Show. B-I-H. Teammates. B-I-H. So let's find out more about some of the players that have adorned Elite League rinks in the last few years as we welcome teammates. The first player brave enough to take this on is Belfast Giants and Great Britain defenseman Paul Swindlehurst, who's opening the door of the locker room at the SSE Arena and revealing the sort of players he worked with. And if any are listening, aim your complaints at Paul. Anyway, Paul, I'm glad to say, is on the line. How have you been, Paul? How have you been, how have you been spending the lockdown? Uh, slowly. Uh, plenty of gardening, plenty of cycling. Uh, a little bit of running, but I hate running. The bane of my life. So as much biking as I can, seeing as all the weather's nice, and then just trying to get through each day. And uh, a few jigsaw puzzles here and there. And You must be keeping up with some TV shows and things that are going on as well. Yeah, I mean, anything. So <laughs> I think it was Gogglebox, Britain's Got Talent, you name it. If it was on TV, I've been watching. So <laughs> the TV's, the TV's going to break soon with how much I've been watching. <laughs> and as we speak, it's been six weeks since the league uh, made the decision to, to, to shut everything off, just draw a line under everything. Has it been a long six weeks for you when you look back on it? Uh, I don't think so. To be like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself as possible. So uh, time time's flying when the same things every day. So it's a bit repetitive. You kind of lose track of what day it is here and there, whether it's weekend or a Monday or a Thursday. So I think the only time I actually know what day of the week it is is when it's when it's the virtual pub quiz on YouTube every Thursday. <laughs> so that's a that's a weekly thing that we do. So, but I, I, it's the first couple of weeks was tough. Obviously, how sudden the season ended. And how surprising it was, but obviously the league made probably the right decision to get all the guys home. But it's just getting through, keeping yourself busy. That's the that's the main thing. Good. Well, as I said, we've we've given you something different to do, and you've been good enough to take this on for us, teammates. Now, if anybody's familiar with Soccer AM, um, they used to do a similar feature. And Paul's going to reveal some insight into some of his teammates from the Belfast team from the season just passed. So we'll start with the first question, Paul. Who is the best hockey player? See, I, you sent me that question. I thought. It was a tough one because I think Belfast last season anyway was a was a rounded team. We didn't really have many actual standout players, so I, I was trying to think this one over who who actually stood out to me. And I'd like I, I picked out two really, and that was like Hamilton and Pelle. Sorry, Matt Pellich. I think those two stood out. They they performed the best for us. Eco, but like you say, you could have 
you could have drawn a name from a hat with that. So that was a, that was a tough question to ask first up. But <laughs> if I had to pick two guys, it'd be Hamilton and Pellic. Here we go, Paul, going for the diplomatic answer there. So who, in that case, who is the joker of the team? So that, that was the easy one. That was that's Bobby Farnham. He's he's always playing some sort of joke or doing something in the locker room or out of the locker room and in that that was an easy pick. Bobby Bobby's a hilarious guy, uh, wherever you get him in what situation. So it was definitely him that I had to pick for that. Give us an idea of the sort of high jinks he got up to. Oh god. So even like say we had kids come into the locker room he'd run around the room pretending to be a monkey to get a reaction out of these kids that whatever situation they were in, he was always trying to make somebody laugh, whether it was uh, an older gentleman or a young kids, he made everybody he made the room a, f- a fun place to be in by just doing stuff to get people to laugh. So, who's the best dancer? I'd have to say, like Hammy and Shane Owen were too. They had they had some set moves to pull together at the on the dance floor, or if we're at a bar, or anywhere really. So, those two could throw some shapes uh, if you got a couple of drinks down them. <laughs> so, who's got the worst taste in music in the locker room then? See, they'll. Sh- I I said Ryan Loney. He was our music guy this year. Uh, he likes the rap music. Obviously, he's from Detroit, so America's. Oh. He, was, he was into all the rap music, and he was in charge of the the music before games and stuff. But I'm more of a rock guy, you know. So those tastes kind of clash. But if you grab somebody else on the team, they might think he, he had a better taste over me. So if it's if it's from me, I'd have to say Ryan Lowney. Was there ever a battle to control the music in the locker room? I know sometimes it can be democratically. Other times you've got the captain who decides it's my music and that's all there is to it. Anything like that? This year, not really. Obviously, the first year it was just kind of already there. The person who did the music with last year carried it on to the year after. But uh, this year, it kind of just fell on loans because it was it was late into the team, and I think it just kind of got sprung on him that he was in charge of it. So uh, I think it was a. Uh, a made thing for him to do and he did well at it no one really complained that much right so take a, a virtual look around the locker room which of those guys is going to be a coach see it has to be Kevin Rain uh, so most Belfast fans will know that he well before all this uh, coronavirus he was trying to set up his own uh, hockey academy hockey school in Belfast for all ages uh named it personal best hockey and is he basically wanted to do everything from whatever school level you are whether you're a beginner or whether you actually play depending uh, no matter what age and set up a camp for you and he had that the wheels going on that before obviously all this hit and he had to go home so i think rainer will be a damn good coach when he's older especially with the stuff that he's got planned for the future with his hockey academy so next question who is the fastest see that's a toss-up between lewis hook and david goodwin during the season, you always used to try and like position yourself if you're doing one-on-ones, not against them two, because you'd just end up hating yourself and think you were the worst hockey player in the world because you'd always get beat around the outside, or you'd just have to skate straight into them and hope for the best. Those two are very fast hockey. So who's got the worst dress sense? See, I, I was thinking about this too, and I didn't want to throw anybody under the bus, but... I'd, I'm being too to, nice. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm going to have to say longer, Kieran Long. I mean, the guy dresses to the nines all the time. He's always wearing jeans, like nice, nice trainers, polish, uh, and a button-down like uh, tartan t-shirt. Uh, shirt. But he's always got his top button undone, and it drives me nuts. It must be a southern thing to have <laughs> your top button done up all the time. Um, but like every day he dresses like that most like I'd say nine out of ten days he dresses like that and that that there is comfy clothes to him whereas other guys like myself are turning up to the gym to the rink in like flip-flops sweatpants like a hoodie just rolled out of bed 
Uh, he's dressed to the nines, like always, but coming into the locker room with jeans and a shirt on at 8.30 in the morning is just not my cup of tea. <laughs> so who was the biggest moaner? Biggest moaner? I, see, in Belfast, your, life, your life's pretty easy. You get everything you want. And I think a lot of the guys this bought in, and they didn't really moan. I, I couldn't pick one guy out that's constantly moaning. So that was that was a tricky one. I can't, I can't really pick anybody out that moans a lot. Are you much of a moaner yourself? A quiet moaner. A quiet I don't moaner. Really, a quiet moaner. I'll have my rants every now and again, but it'll probably be Pelly was my roommate, so it'll probably be to Pelly uh, <laughs> throughout the season. But like, I, I, I've been different places in the league, and I know where Belfast is compared to some other teams. And I say like Belfast treats you like a baby, though. If you need something, you get it. Like you're waiting on hand and foot. So I have no complaints about it. And I said, if I have a little moan about, it's very quiet in a corner with one other person. I think I know the answer to this one. Who's most likely to get in a fight? Well, that's that's that was the easiest question out of a lot of them, and that's Pelly for sure. Yeah, I thought that would be your answer. I mean, he he doesn't really go looking for it, but if the time's there and like we need a kick up the ass or something, he's more more than willing to do it. But uh, the other one, Bobby Farnham, he goes around chasing guys and looking for a fight, uh, but it just doesn't seem to happen. I think he had one fight maybe this year with Tetlow, mm. and I said he did pretty well, and Tet Tet's did pretty well too. But uh, Bobby Bobby can look for a fight as well. So who's the most intelligent then? Most intelligent. I mean, Bobby went to Brown University, so that's pretty high up there to graduate from there. And uh, uh, Patrick Mullen, he's he's a pretty smart cat too. Uh, he's forever in his school books. He did his master's in one year this year, so I mean, you've got to be pretty smart to do that, I think. Least intelligent. This might get you in bother. <laughs> See, if you went around the locker room, you'd probably spot... Uh, <laughs> I can't really throw myself under the bus. I don't know with this one. Uh, Belfast has a lot of smart guys. Obviously, you've got most guys doing university. You've got a couple of guys, or a few guys doing open university. So I'd have to throw a, I'd throw me myself down there and probably longer as well. We put us two together, he can't complain at me. Finally, who is the longest in the shower? That's, that's another easy one. That's Pelly. Pelly loves a good shower. Especially after a win in a locker in in Belfast, you get the beers, you take a beer into the uh, shower, and you have a good chat after the game. So he 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 spends a pl- he spends plenty of time in the shower afterwards. But then you've got Ward, you've got Brian Ward too. Uh, he loves an ice bath. He'll go head first into the ice bath and spend fifteen minutes in there after a game, up to his neck in freezing cold water. So he's a bit he's a bit mental for doing that. He spends a long time in the shower. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Paul. That's the that's the painful part over. Um, who's going who's gonna to react most to this, do you think? I don't know, to be honest. Probably longer, because I've just called him intelligent <laughs> and uh, worse dress sense. So I'll probably get some stick for that. But as I said, I'll throw out there that Longer's doing a, either a 12-hour or a 24-hour game-a-thon with his brother and some other guys yep. uh, for charity, uh, for the to raise money for the NHS. So whoever's listening, go on to his page and uh, go and donate as much as you can or as little as you can to, to help raise some money for him. And I think he's got some good special guests on there that are going to be gaming with him throughout the 12 or however long he's doing it for. Perfect. Paul, for putting yourself up for doing teammates, thank you so much. And no stay worries. safe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you too. You're listening to the BIH Show. BIH. BIH Rewind.
So let's open the vault now and have a look back at classic games of the past and talk to the guys who were on the ice in the thick of the action. And in this first BIH Rewind, we don't need to go too far back as we look back on that epic World Championship game between Great Britain and France. You'll recall it was the final game and relegation was on the line with both countries yet to win from any of their previous six games and it came down to this. My goodness, did it deliver. So who better to give us a unique perspective on that dramatic afternoon in Kosice than the man who scored the overtime winner, Ben Davis. Welcome, Ben. Thank you for coming on the BIH show. It's been a year almost since that game. How many times have you watched it back and how many times have you watched your goal back? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, it's been uh, quite a whirlwind uh, year. Obviously, through the summer, we had uh, a lot of time off. So I I'd seen it a fair few times. Um, watched a, a, a few of the highlights back as obviously when it's going on there's uh so much yeah other stuff you're you're worried about the next game and stuff like that so it was nice to to go back and and watch some of those games back a little bit and uh and yeah yeah things like that that, that over time and, and the france game especially was um something i've seen a few times and i know uh, a few of the other boys when i've spoken to them throughout the league last year i think uh, they'd all uh, enjoyed watching them back as well and uh, with fond memories so well, I can tell you, I was on a bus in Ayrshire heading home from my, my, my regular day job when you scored your goal. So needless to say, that the sight of me jumping about like an idiot on a bus, I think, confused a lot of people <laughs> that day. Ah, uh, yeah. But how long did it sink in? Uh, how long did it take to sink in what you'd actually done to, to help the team in, in achieving what you did? I don't know. I think, um, pretty, pretty, I would say pretty much straight away we realised, like, the obviously the magnitude of what we've done. But uh, the next few days then, we had... Uh, we had a few more days in because he tried to um, kind of take the rest of the tournament in and, and kind of celebrate with with all the teammates. So that that was nice, and and I think from there, kind of tried to it started to sink in a little bit. And um, uh, I think everyone was a little excited to go back next year because obviously uh, the experience and uh, everything about it was a lot different to anything we'd all experienced before. So to to be able to obviously put the GB jersey on again in Pool A. Um, obviously, it didn't happen this year in Switzerland, but to do that again, then uh, that's something that everyone in the team was looking forward to, and we all were uh, thankful that it, it turned out how it did. So. Right, so let's go back to the game then. Help us set the scene. The tournament itself, I think, was a, was a pretty stern test for, for you and all the guys, a completely different level than what you'd certainly been used to in the past. You played against some impressive teams, some impressive players along the way. So coming into this last game against France, can you remember what the nerves were like as you approached the arena for this do-or-die game? Yeah, um, we, we knew, obviously, I, I, more or less after the Denmark game, that it was kind of... If, if other results obviously went our way, that it was going to come back to the France game. So we were we were doing everything we could, like coaches-wise, all the players, to uh, make sure that, that was the one-game uh, shootout, more or less. So, uh, yeah, there was a, an awful lot of nerves coming up to it because it's as high stakes as it gets, really. Like one game to obviously stay in the group or or obviously get the elimination and, and we're back down. And then if, 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 if you are back in that other group, it's, it's very, very difficult to get back up. Because there's some very good teams in there, so yeah, it was. Um, I think everyone knew the job we had to do and stick to the system that Pete and the coaches had given us, and and uh, luckily, obviously, it it didn't start great, should we say, or, or maybe the second period. It, it was looking a bit worse for wear, but obviously, we all stuck stuck with it. We all stuck in a little bit, and um, yeah, we got there eventually. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a whirlwind game, should we say. 
Right, so before we actually get into the game properly, and I've often imagined what this was like, what was the last thing Pete Russell said to you before you, you went out onto the ice and, and get the game started? I think he just tried to put it into perspective of where we've um, been. Like, uh, obviously, a few years ago, we were back in, say, Belfast, um, playing that tournament, and then uh, got promotion in Hungary, and, and we, we ended up, we weren't expected to do what we did there. And obviously, we got into this group, we all enjoyed it as much as we could i think and uh just try to take it in perspective really. like obviously we had a great opportunity to win one game and, and stay for the next year and obviously uh probably put put our country back on the, on the map a little bit with hockey i suppose um obviously everyone puts puts the jersey on for pride like no one's no one's making mega bucks like some of the other teams so um we all like um really look forward to I would say that the the GB set up at the end of the year, and and we've got a great group of guys. So, um, yeah, it was just a lot of that, and I think everyone was really focused on what we needed to do. And uh, yeah, I think that was, that was kind of it. Just to put into perspective and know that as long as we go out and we kind of throw everything at it, we're we're a good enough team to to turn France over. So. Right. So let's head into the game, and in the first minute. You could have had the first big chance of the game. Bozen has it in the right wing corner for the French. Back to the blue line. They've already started to change their lines. That's a good change. Now GB can break. It's Davies. He's one on O. Down the middle. Davies with a Gilsage chance backhand. Oh, he dropped past it. You're kidding me. All alone on the goalie. And he never got a shot. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know what it was. That, like, I, I remember back now to. Uh, Little things from my, my my warm up. Obviously, I was preparing the same way, and and then I come onto the ice, and a few things kind of uh, were going a little differently for me. Say, I had like change socks, which is something stupid like that, and I'm a little against the gun, and I didn't. And obviously, I had to start and shift, but I was obviously getting into the game, and, and I went down on a breakaway, and I obviously made a, a terrible, terrible on the play. Um, yeah, I've seen it back a few times, and every time I just think, I don't know. I try and try and forget it now, to be honest. But at the, <laughs> at, at, at the time, at the time, I, I was yeah, it was very um, frustrating. Probably a lot of negative emotions. I was just, I, I obviously it's the biggest game we'd all played, and I, I didn't want it to come back to that, and that be uh, uh, a massive, massive regret kind of thing. So obviously, um, yeah, as, especially when it was like. Uh, Two, three, nil, and I was thinking, oh no! If even if we claw one back here, like we're still, I don't know. But uh, yeah, obviously at the end it, it, it didn't matter, which was uh, the 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 best case scenario, should we say? But yeah, I don't know. I just made a, a bad read on the play, and um, luckily, luckily we can figure out all about it now. So, <laughs> well, you say that. I was just going to ask you one more thing about that. I watched it again, and obviously you're you're clean through on the, the goalie Hardy. And you, you play the drop pass, and I've often wondered: Did you see someone out the corner of your eye that you thought was was coming in to, to help support, or was it just I, I don't know? Can I call it a brain fart? What, what was it? Was was there someone you thought was there? I I, I actually remember thinking, "Oh, I, I know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to come down and just take a quick shot." Uh, I like I see now. There's maybe I could have gone low glove, or, or I would probably try to go five all just there. A quick shot, but and I was thinking that, and then probably I would say from the top of the circles, I, I, I just had a bizarre urge to drop drop the, the puck, and I thought it was Laker right behind me, and uh, obviously it wasn't, and, and that's what I'd done, and uh, it, it was literally just a split decision, and uh, yeah, I was 
I, I yeah, I don't know. It was just very frustrating at the yeah. time. I was I couldn't believe that I'd done it because obviously to get a breakaway, you you, you at least got to get a shot off, right? Yeah. And, and we had I had a clear cut one first shift of the game. It would have set at the tempo, but um, yeah, it, it, it is what it is now. So I can look I can look back kind of. Uh, <laughs> Kind of fond memories, I don't know, and obviously I don't think I'll ever be doing that again. So. No. Well, let, let's draw a line under it finally now and, and move on from the game. Now, it set the tone for the game. There was chances, uh, plenty of chances from GB's point of view. I remember Mike Hammond went close with one. Liam Kirk hit the post as well. But come the end of the first period, no goals, decent efforts um, for, from both ends. And then the second period starts, and with it all to play for, France took the lead. He'll go back to the bench, and France... Have a line change here as they come in with a bit of speed. Bows on to Manavier. Finds the last man. Shot comes in. Goal, France. Resch scores. The man who plays with Svenningen in Germany picks out the top corner and bows is beaten in the most crucial of games. The puck movement was good from the French, but GB with so many chances at the other end. And France take care of their loan opportunity in this second period and they lead by a goal to nil. Yeah, yeah, like you say, like first period, if we can come out of that 0-0, we'll settle that nerves and crack on with the game then. So that's kind of best case scenario for us. But um, I guess France maybe felt the same and, and, and they got a couple of breaks. And, and yeah, like you say, it kind of happens quite quickly. They, they score the worm where he goes like cross seam and then goes back and he gets a nice shot on Bounzy. Now the first goal, Ben, did the heads go down a little bit? You know, when you consider how the tournament had gone at that point, when you were playing against these superior teams, and given the way things were going, did you just think that first goal? God, you know, suddenly there's a mountain to climb. Here's Fleury. He's the little heartbeat of this French team. The captain, Tessier. Back it goes again. Chakirashvili with the shot. He scores. There might be a review on this one because the 77. Trier was right on top of Ben Bounds, and I think he was in the crease. Now the officials were all meeting, but that doesn't look like a meeting to discuss the goal. We're going to see the replay. I think there's a conversation here because the light's on, isn't it? So it's the red light. Don't look. They're looking at it elsewhere. I think GB are going to wonder what they're going to do. No, no things it doesn't are look like now. it. It's in. It's a goal. There's aspects of that, I guess. Yeah, because obviously, I don't know if we'd scored the first goal in any of the games. But scoring a goal in that pool is is not easy to come by. You you get you get a few chances here and there, but you're not getting clear cut chances. So um, yeah, you know you're up against it. Eh? You you definitely want to score the first goal. Um, but at the end of the day, it is only one goal. So um, yeah, it, obviously we were frustrated that we we weren't the ones to score the first one. But we continue as as we go after that first one. So. Next thing you know, it's 2-0 as Florian Chakiachvili scores with a shot from the blue line. Then... So GB are 2-0 now. And there's another chance for third goal. Relegation looms. Rich with his second of the game. And Great Britain are falling apart in this second period as the top flight of world hockey slips away. Back-to-back goals in a matter of moments. And where GB were once on top, now they need more than a miracle. That goal from Rech, his second and France's third. And I'm interested in the mindset of the team here, Ben. 3-0 down and with the rest of the tournament has been, as we've already said. Pete calls a timeout. What did he say to you at that moment? Um, if, if, if I'm honest, I actually can't remember. Um, I think it would have probably just been on the lines of, like, let's calm down now. Uh, obviously, we, we know 
we have to score at least three goals. So um, in that in that respect, it's very clear our objective: score three goals, don't let any more in, and we could do that. Like it's uh, well in our capabilities. I think we we'd scored three in, a, in, a, in at least one game before that. So um, yeah, it was just trying to knuckle down. Obviously, play a little stronger defensively. And, um, yeah, just keep to our objectives, really. Now, I would never like to accuse a team of, of taking the foot off the gas, but you were there. You, you can tell me if you got that vibe of France thinking 3-0 up against a team who were battling against that relegation spot. Was there a feeling that 3-0 up, they thought maybe the job was done? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It would be... Um, I, I know if we were 3-0 up, we, we wouldn't have... Uh, we would have carried on playing how we how how we, we got into that situation. So I I don't know. You'd have to um, speak to a French player about that, I guess. But um, yeah, like I said, we just we just knew what we had to get more shots on net. We had to create more chances. We had to make sure we were getting the puck in deep. Um, all the little things, really. All all the little things like um, just be stronger in our defensive zone, especially give them less chances, and make sure we were trying to create chances because. Like I said uh, just a minute ago, that we needed a score goal, so we needed to get shots on net, and hopefully, hopefully from there bounces could start going our way. As we know, it didn't take long before the comeback was underway. It, it's not coming easy to them right now as Farmer goes on a little move into the zone. He's physically taken out by Manaviem. Now it's helped back round again. Farmer turns. He goes in on the big number four for France, and now Farmer thinks about a little wrap around. It's with Hammond, it's with Dowd. Farmer then swings into the right wing corner, fluffs his lines to get it back to Steve Lee on the blue line. Cut out by Ben O'Connor, chance down low, what an opportunity, GB score! Robert Dowd! And has he set them back on their way like he did in Budapest 12 months ago? Ben O'Connor with the interception. He picked out Dowd who went forehand, backhand, and GB have 25 minutes to save their lives here. 25 minutes and they need two more goals at least. 5-0-1 remaining in period two. Dowd scores his first of the World Championships. And it's France 3, GB 1. Robert Dowd getting a well-deserved goal in this game. I felt it was a tournament where he could have scored more. And I absolutely don't mean that in a negative way. He performed brilliantly. Um, throughout the competition, but how good was it to see Dowdy get one on the board at last? Yeah, massive. Because um, that that whole shift, I, I've I've watched bits back again before, and uh, that that whole line, they were just buzzing the whole game, and they were getting the puck in, they were always getting defensemen coughing it up, and they were creating really good chances, like th- throughout the whole game, really. And uh, yeah, I think the puck gets dumped in deep, the D man picks it up, and he he throws a. Um, a wayward pass up to Oki, who's on the blue line, and, and obviously that gets fed through to Dowdy, and Dowdy, in all fairness, he, he finishes that off very very nicely. So, um, yeah, from there, obviously, we try we try and uh, do what we can to take momentum back, I guess. By the end of the second, France's lead wasn't so assured. So the pendulum swinging back the way, GB had got it back to within a goal. Mike Hammond with that, that second goal. And I've seen the footage, Ben, you were literally jumping for joy on the bench. That must have been a good feeling to know that this comeback was well and truly on. Yeah, absolutely. We know we're a dangerous team, especially when we've got some momentum behind us. We know we can, uh, we, we got, if you look through that lineup. there's ample players that can put the puck in. And, and uh, that that's all we needed. We needed a bit of momentum, a little bit of belief as well. And, uh, those those few little goals like that, and we we, we knew we could uh, get back in that game. Then there was no uh, 
no uh, question about anyone's belief on the on the team, and, and we knew how we needed to do it. We had the the, the right uh, systems in play for this. So yeah, it was uh, it was an exciting time then. How hard is it not to get carried away in a moment like that? You you were at that point three two behind. There was still lots of work to do at that point, but you could you got the sense you could feel the momentum coming back your way. But you know, trying not to get carried away that must have been difficult. Yeah, it, it, it is. There's a lot of ups and downs through the game, and you've kind of in a way you've got to ride it. Like especially when when you're on the ups, but you've still got to keep some somewhat of a level head, I think. And and hopefully with 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 you being. Uh, with us having the momentum, we can start to play with a little bit more confidence. Start to take the shots instead of just dumping it, dumping it in, or play, making a safe play because we, we still needed that last goal. So, well, at, at least another goal anyway to uh, see, see what happens. Um, yeah, so I think we were playing with a little bit more confidence, and and that line, that that line, like I say, were buzzing. Everyone else was, we were all doing our jobs, and uh, yeah, we were keep we were keeping them out and. It was uh, it was uh, an exciting time for us at that point. Okay, end of the second period, and did you have any, could you have any idea that that next hour between the third period and the overtime period would be probably the biggest in your career at that point? Um, no, you 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 always hope you can get out and you can uh, get a chance to I don't know get get a vital goal or or, or something like that, even make a massive impact in a game like a, a little turnover or something like that. Uh, you 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 want to be. In, in those plays for sure but yeah at the end of the day you do, you're doing whatever it takes really to um, get the team across the finish line really so um, again we all regrouped it was uh, after the second period obviously um, we'd, we'd been up against it early on and to get ourselves back in the game I think there was a little bit of relief maybe um, but again we, need, we, need, we knew we uh, needed to uh, give her a final push in the third period now, as we know with this group, reports of your demise had been hugely exaggerated, and like he did the year before in Budapest, Robert Farmer came up with a huge GB moment again. It, it's not coming easy to them right now as Farmer goes on a little move into the zone. He's physically taken out by Manaviem. Now it's helped back round again. Farmer turns. He goes in on the big number four for France, and now Farmer thinks about a little wraparound. It's with Hammond. It's with Dowd. Farmer then swings into the right wing corner, fluffs his lines to get it back to Steve Lee on the blue line. Cut out by Ben O'Connor, chance down low, what an opportunity, GB score! Robert down! And has he set them back on their way like he did in Budapest 12 months ago? Ben O'Connor with the interception, he picked out Dowd who went forehand, backhand, and GB have 25 minutes to save their lives here. 25 minutes and they need two more goals at least. 5.01 remaining in period two. Dowd scores his first of the World Championships and it's France 3, GB1. Well, we called it, didn't we? I'm only taking half the credit because I took my lead from you, Seth. But we said Robert Dowd. Robert Dowd is a man that GB can look to to get themselves back into the game. And he had that chance. He was clear on goal and he finished. That is massive. Ben O'Connor as well. Here's a chance for Lake. Snapshot. Oh, the goalie doesn't save it. Well, he does, but he doesn't, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Texier again finds the man back door. What a chance for France. Looking for the wraparound goal. GB do just enough. They scramble back into position. Texier again. GB will get there, and now they can break away. Two on two. If they use it well, it's the end of a long shift. They're just on side. Uh, but Jonathan Phillips decides now's the time for a line change. 
France will give it away in their own zone as GB goes to the middle. Can they pick this up with Davy Phillips? They will do that. It's the Dowd line out there. Here's O'Connor. Thought about shooting. He's got two men ahead of him. Tipped out in front. Goal! Hammond scores! GB have cut the deficit again. This is fourth of the tournament. And Ben O'Connor's shot from the blue line was turned away and GB profit. This game is absolutely nuts. Five goals in the second period. France went 3-0 up. And Great Britain are fighting with every last bit of energy they have. They ain't quitting here. They trail France by three goals to two. 1.56 to go in the second. It's Ben O'Connor again. When GB needed Ben O'Connor to have the game of his life, he is steadily, or should I say spectacularly, making an impact the longer the game goes on. He had that room on the blue line, and if you give Ben O'Connor room on the blue line, you are in danger. The noise has gone back up, and GB look like they're going into the changing room, into the locker room, with only a one-goal deficit. But ben O'Connor puts it in on goal, where is it? underneath the goalie he put it in from outside the blue line and Hardy nearly lost it well that reminds you of uh, Italy doesn't it 12 months ago when he just played a dump in and let's look at this he dumps it in I was still talking because I thought it would be routine and look he goes behind oh. him Hammond doesn't win the face off Yanel will collect for the French he stumbles on the blue line as he makes the rink wide pass GB need to crank it up again they need to find the intensity and it is that line that's out there, the Farmer line with Dowd and Hammond who have both these goals. Hammond goes on the forecheck, Dowd's going to collect possession. Puts it to the front, chance over the top, Farmer! He raises his eyes to the roof in disbelief he didn't hit the target. Another chance from GB, off the glass, high behind. It was Dowd that created it. Oh, he's got that chance, hasn't he? He does just raise his arm to the air. Just couldn't quite get it under control. He probably did the good choice going top shelf. The netmine has already been beaten on the top shelf. Hammond trying to win it on his forehand side. Does off the boards to O'Connor. Hard rip off the boards. Comes out in front, GB. Battle for space. It's just cleared away. Held in by David Phillips at the point. All the way around the boards it goes. Ben O'Connor scoots over to get their tip coming from Hammond. Doesn't get enough of it. Goes off the boards again. Phillips gets hit. Great turn away from trouble for Farmer. Farmer scores! We're all tied at three, and it's that man once again, Robert Farmer. What a move, pull it short side, and the French fumble in their own zone, and GB pick it up, and the lifeline is restored with 14.44 to go in the third period. We're level, France three, Great Britain three, and the fight for survival is back on. Yeah, massive, massive shift. I think is uh, Davy on the blue line, and they'd gone back and forth once or twice before. And Farms was down on the goal line, and and the second time I think through, he he steps into the middle, and and Farms is always a danger around the net. He's uh, he's very good, obviously around the slot and around. He's picking up pucks and everything like that. And luckily he steps in, and and uh, he's got that open space to make a shot. And yeah, it's. Uh, at that point, then I think we all we were all in a, a good spot, momentum-wise, and and we, and we knew we could uh, keep pushing on France because I think at that point they probably felt that things were going against them. So we needed to uh, 
try and capitalise on that, especially in the third period. Now, you mentioned Ben O'Connor earlier, and his influence in the game, I think, was there for all to see. He's certainly a player I would love to, to play for my club team um, if, I, if I was lucky enough to happen. He had three assists um, in, in such a big game. How much of a calming influence was he in the whole game that day? Pass to the back door. Fleury was looking for it. The one-timer coming now. They flexed it out in front. What a block that was. It was a painful one for Ollie Betridge. Took it in the back of the leg. He's struggling to skate. Effectively a five on three. Rebound pops out again. Fleury's there. Rebound again. GB clear the net. Huge cross shit by Davy Phillips. Not called. Yeah, huge. I, th- like, I, I think the, I, I, I may be wrong, but I think Davy and uh, Oki, they were, they were on with uh, Farms, Hammy and Dowdy line a lot of the time, I think. And, and they were pivotal in that game. Like They were creating everything and, and they were offensively um, creating chances a lot of games so um, yeah Oki, Oki had a huge game um, obviously three or three assists in, 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 in that big of a game uh, yeah I think uh, I think he'd be over the moon with that as well and it was brilliant now the power play for France in the final couple of minutes when Rob Lakovic was in the penalty box was that the longest penalty kill ever? a wag of the finger from the referee and GB win the face off now have they got something in these final 20 seconds Davy Phillips moves it to the middle. Ben Lake, here he comes. Ben Lake up the middle. Has he got a shooting lane? Shoots this one in on goal. Doesn't miss by much. Davy shoots. Great save. Oh, they nearly won it. Hardy got his hand up and just about made the save. And with five seconds to go, I think that's going to do it. GB sent it in. Folks, we are going to overtime. Uh, well, that's the thing. It was like four or five minutes to go, right? <laughs> and I, I think, I think if I remember rightly, it was kind of a bit of a shady call like I don't know if uh, maybe I'm a bit biased with it but I don't think Lax really I think he just like hit the guy as it was like a, a pass coming up, up the wall or something like that and I don't know if it would have been a penalty but anyway they call it and uh, the, all, all the killers everyone steps up massively like um, I don't remember the kill as such but throughout all that game everyone's stepping up blocking shots like I know Billingsley had a, a massive block I think uh Dal did as well, Dallas. So yeah, boys are doing. I guess this the same as all the D. They probably had five five block shots every, that game, like each one of them. So everyone's doing what they need to. Bouncy's standing on his head, and, and and luckily enough, yeah, we we kill that penalty because obviously four minutes to go, they score. They were running out of time. So um, yeah, that was uh, that was huge. You had a chance there, ten seconds to go. Ben Ben Lake tried one just before you. I think you picked up the rebound, didn't quite get it over the line what do you remember about that one GB three goals down and they fought their way back to force the extra frame oh, I just remember knowing that I need to get a good shot off it wasn't long left like uh, I see Laker takes it hits the backboard and it comes back to me and it's kind of like I had to like shift a little my angle I think but I, I I got quite a good shot off and it was going well I would like to say it was going in I think it was like it was going to des- test the keeper anyway quite high in the goal and, and uh, yeah he just gets over but um, I, I was pretty I don't know it just what is what it is I wanted to make up from from that one earlier on obviously and uh, right late in the game is a good chance uh, obviously the keeper makes a good save but yeah it was um, we were feeling it I think obviously we, we, we knew they were up against it a little bit so we kind of wanted to uh, well we needed a goal to, to win the game so so on to overtime how much did you have left in the tank both physically and mentally GB win the face off in the zone oh it's given away out in front France with a chance blocker save then it's blocked in front second chance is stopped again the French have got a man in the net they've got the puck on the outside play continues 
high drama. GB are clinging on for dear life right now. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just think everyone's trying to help each other out there. Like, um, what, whatever anyone needs, we're, we're all, we're all in there, all, all uh, on the same ship, kind of thing. We're all, we're all rowing together. So, um, boys, the boys who are going up next, we're just making sure they, they, they're refueled and everything like that, and uh, listening to the coaches, what, what we need to do, and, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We just we just know that one goal can win us the game. So it's um and and that's the whole objective of the whole tournament. So it was uh definitely a nerve wracking time because obviously uh overtime's never I don't know it's, it's fun but it's also there's a lot at stake. So um yeah, it was uh, a lot of anticipation and just uh, see how it goes kind of thing. Now all I've got written here is Ben Bounds. How good was he throughout the whole tournament? We can't we can't not talk about this game and not talk about Bouncy. Well, I think I think he uh, he, he broke a record, right, for the as the most saves maybe in the that's whole right. tournament. Yeah, like that's that's unbelievable. Like I've I've grown up with Bouncy, like um, good friend good friend of mine, and and he's he's always been top class. Like he's always won us games when we were playing GB in, in the under 18s and the 20s and everything like that. And, and it was great to see that it was the same again in like uh, the highest standard that we've played really. Like he's he's standing on his head probably a few times a period uh, consistently. So uh, yeah, it was the same throughout the whole game. Like Bonzi's making great saves here and there. He had that one in the first shift actually, and that the it was like a two on one, and it comes across, and he, he dives over and makes a save, and and obviously in, in overtime then he's, I don't know how he made a few of his saves. Maybe he don't know, but um, yeah, they were some big big saves at the end. Okay, finally we're here. We're at the big moment, so let's enjoy it once more. Ben Davies comes out to try and win a face-off and he goes forward. Phillips will go after this one. He may have a breakaway here. It's Jonathan Phillips, the captain. Stops, checks, turns. He's got a man down the middle. Davies, can he score? Ben Davies wins it for Great Britain! And GB have done the impossible! They are staying up! In overtime! Great Britain beat France and they're going to be elite again. That move between you and Jonathan Phillips, Ben, was it improvised or was it part of the plan? Ben, I'm going to throw a cliche at you. That's the biggest goal of your career. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just, to, just to get on there. And, uh, yeah, I just, just the Jonathan told me to put it forward. He's the fastest guy on the ice, so I threw it forward. Uh, luckily, two D men went to him. He, he th- I'm just look, watching the replay there. He, uh, he puts it out in front for me and... Uh, yeah, luckily I can have a chance at the goalie and uh, I wasn't happy with my uh, chance in the first period, so yeah, I could uh, get that back. Just tell me how you're feeling when you get that puck and you know it's probably the best chance of the overtime. It, I mean, is it instinct? I mean, what's going through your nerves? I just want to get on net. I, I, I don't know why I went to the backhand, but I'm, uh, I'm very glad I did. Uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable. So. Well, to be honest, Pete, Pete says, oh, yeah, like, Ben and John or whatever, and I, I wasn't really expecting to go, I don't think. Like, I, I obviously wanted to be out there because there's more space, I, I can use my speed, and, and maybe that's the thinking with John as well, because obviously we're both kind of small and, and fast players or whatever, so we both go, and we're just, I'm just jumping on, I'm like, okay, like uh, let's, let's see what happens here kind of thing, we can obviously try and use our speed to our advantage, and I'm going up, and we, we kind of speak about the play, and I don't know if we'd already seen how they were lining up, but John John and me speak, and uh, he says, knock it forward. And I'm like, yeah, you sure? And I'm like, he wants it. So. And the D-man lines up on the board side, which kind of 
to me was a little strange because obviously I, I win it back I could effectively maybe give John a, a breakaway but uh, win it forward should I say and uh, so that happens and I, I lucky enough I get great distance on here it's not too short it's not too long so Jonah gets it first of all obviously and and shakes off the d-man or, or whatever he done and and the next guy that their their sentiment i think or their winger he jumps in as well so at this point obviously i've tried to just catch up on the play and see see what comes of it obviously if Jonah can take in the corner i can be an option somewhere else for him and uh the guy stepped into him as well so he's made a great play around him and just fed it out in front of me in the slot. And luckily, I've got up there, and uh, the guy hasn't caught me up. There's, there's trailing, so I've, I've, I'm on my own. And I just remember thinking, uh, I just got to take it and go back to my backhand. So I've just, I, I, in all one motion, I think I've just obviously come across, and and it's been hard because the puck's gone, and I'm, my body's the one way, but I, I got a good enough uh, connection on it. I think it might have gone under his his arm. So. Uh, yeah, as that's happened, I've just tried to miss the post as I'm coming through with my momentum and then just seeing it's gone in and it's just chaos then. So, as we say, Ben, nearly a year on, does it ever get old when you, you, you watch it back? Do you still get a thrill of excitement seeing what you did that day? Uh, yeah, yeah, still, um, like, just just seeing some of the highlights throughout the whole tournament, really, like, a couple of stick into mind, like, obviously... The goals a couple of the boys have scored, and myself, and Bouncy saves, and and the celebrations after, and stuff like that. They 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 lasting memories, and um, yeah, it just it was just a unreal trip, something none of us had ever experienced before, and 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 we're we're lucky enough that hopefully we can uh, experience that again uh, in one of the like uh, upcoming World Championships, and and hopefully it it lives up to um, this one, and and we can try our hardest to, to repeat and, and, and stay in the the, uh, the pool because that's, that's something that all of us all of us want to do year in year out we want to be uh, we want to be an established nation if, if, we, if we can be and, and obviously it takes a few hard years and a little bit of luck to go on our side and we've got some good players in the, in, in the team and in the setup right now and, and some coming up so um, it's exciting time for um, yeah it was uh it was great. It was great looking back on that, and uh, some fun memories, and and something I'll uh, I'll cherish forever, really. So um, yeah, it's good. We got the jersey, and uh, all of us can look back on that with like fun memories. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, BIH rewind. It's been great to to relive that again. This is the BIH show. Well, that's it for this edition of the BIH show. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. I want to thank my guests this week, Mark Richardson, Paul Swindlehurst, Barry McKenzie, and Ben Davis for their time. If you've any ideas about any possible features for the BIH show in the future, please get in touch with me either on Twitter at BIHCraig or on at BritIceHockey or by email craig.anderson at britishicehockey.co.uk. Keep your eye on British Ice Hockey for features, news and blogs as we keep you updated throughout the summer. The website you'll find it at britishicehockey.co.uk. Also want to thank Stuart Priest who's produced this for you and for you for taking the time to listen to us. In the meantime, stay safe, stay at home, wash your hands and maintain social distancing guidelines and only go out when you absolutely have to. Do that and we'll have hockey back. I'm Craig Anderson and we'll talk to you soon on the BIH Show. Bye for now.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.